Hello, and welcome to episode four of the Off West End podcast. I'm Tom Brocklehurst. I'm here with guest critics Ariane Ochisika and Shanine Salmon. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. We're here for an hour or so talking about some shows we've seen and some shows that are coming up. Later, you'll hear my interview with Tarek Iskander, Artistic Director of the Battersea Arts Centre, which, if you haven't heard, is hosting the 10th Anniversary Off West End Awards on the 8th of March. Tickets are available for the award ceremony if you'd like to come along. You can get them from offies.london slash events. The evening includes a champagne reception and special guest performances throughout the evening. You can check out all the finalists at that same website, offies.london. You can follow at offwestend.com for news of new awards nominations uh, and the Off West End has just launched their new website, which is offwestend.com for listings and show reviews. You can email us, the show, you can at uh, podcast at offwestend.com. We'd love to hear from you and we'd be happy to read out your, your show recommendations on the podcast. Also, you can now submit your own audio reviews. If you come out of a show, get your phone out, record a 30-second review. You can send it to us via the link in the podcast description and we'll play it on the podcast. So let's talk about some shows that we've seen this week. Um, Shanim, what have you seen? Um, I saw Chaplin, Birth of a Tramp at the Broccoli Jack Theatre. Um, so for over 100 years, Charlie Chaplin has been the world's best-loved clown. His brilliant comic creation of The Little Tramp is the first and most recognised cinematic icon in history, but his remarkable story of stardom and success has a darker side. Critically acclaimed and multi-offy nominated Arrows and Traps return with an examination of the relationship between experience and creativity. Um, I previewed this in the last episode and I speculated that it would focus on his sort of romantic life and his particularly troublesome relationship with young women. Um, It doesn't focus on that at all. It focuses instead on his relationship with his family, um, growing up in Victorian London and then moving to Hollywood um, later. So the play splits between 1928 California and Victorian London where he grew up with his family. Um, and the role of Chaplin is shared by Connor Moss and Lucy Ayanu. Um, Moss plays Chaplin's voice, so to speak. So it's Chaplin, the director, the creator, the man. And Ayanu plays the little tramp and Chaplin as a boy. And she does this entirely in silence and mime. Um, sorry. And uh, Charlotte Cook's set design is aided by Alice Lax's sound and Gabrielle Finn's lighting to give that sense of time and place. So the California um, setting is the set of City Lights, which was one of his films. And then we moved to Victorian London, um, as said, where he lived with his family. Um, Ross McGregor, who writes and directs, tackles the art and the artist, looking at the loving and emotionally difficult relationship Chaplin had with his mother, Hannah. Um, Hannah suffered um, emotional breakdowns and poverty, which led to them living in a workhouse and influenced Chaplin as a performer. She was a big encourager of his mimicry and she was a performer herself. And um, also his approach to working. So it's kind of implied that because he had such a difficult upbringing, it's made him this perfectionist who stops at nothing to get the best film. Um, We see parallels in McGregor's adaptation with 2020 Britain, um, as we still judge a society by how it treats its poor. It's an interesting take on Chaplin, um, not afraid to make him seem a difficult man, but helps the audience understand why he was difficult and what kind of upbringing he had. Um, there's great support from Benjamin Garrison as Chaplin's father, Charlie Senior, and he also plays Max Sennett, and Toby Wynn Davis as Sidney Chaplin, um, Chaplin's older and very patient, older, sorry, older and very patient brother, 
and Laurel Marks as Virginia Sherrill, who kind of sees the worst of Chaplin as she works with him on the City Lights film. Um, it's an interesting and thought-provoking production, whether you're Chaplin's biggest fan or if you've never heard of him. Um, and it's on at the Broccoli Jack until the 22nd of February. Tickets from £16. Cool. So, yeah, you were saying you were an Arrows and Traps fan last time. Um, how does this rate amongst our previous work? It's kind of, I think this is the route they're going down. So before they focused very much on classic adaptation. So their Jekyll and Hyde at the moment is touring the UK. Um, this moves toward their kind of biographical pieces. And it's interesting because you don't, I was saying, you don't see much of Chaplin on the stage. You have just seen Chaplin at Wilton's Music Hall in another production. But the silent era, despite the mime that is, works quite well on the stage, you don't see it often. And I think it's a really nice way of bringing that type of performance to the stage, but also keeping the theatrical and the almost cinematic side of Chaplin as well. Cool. Uh, Ariane, what have you seen? Um, I've seen Auto Reverse at Battersea Earth Centre, um, which is on until the 22nd of February, so still loads of time to go see it oh, this week. Um, the show is by Argentinian performer Florencia Cordeaux and is directed by Omar Elerian, who also directed Misty, um, the 2018 play by Arin Zekin that opened at the Bush and success, very successfully transfer, uh, transferred to Trafalgar Studios uh, in the West End. Um, I think it won quite a few off West End awards. It, it, last also, year, yeah. Yes, yes, a very successful play. So Omar was working with Florencia um, on a play which was actually from Ecuador, but it was very similar to what we will explore in this show, um, which was about Argentinian exiles uh, from across South America who had to go in her case, her family um, was exiled to Chile. Some of her family was uh, exiled to the USA. Um, and she was talking to Omar about, uh, about that political situation and the fact that her family used to keep, um, they used to communicate once they were exiled through um, tapes that they would record for each other. Um, so that gave the idea of the show auto-reverse, which is what happens when you leave automatically. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, when it keeps playing and it goes back again to yeah, the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's the idea. So what we encounter on stage is several um, different ages of records, uh, players and recorders. Um, yeah, the, the show actually starts with um, a tape asking to be played, which is in itself very interesting because half of the audience literally went, I don't know how to do this, <laughs> which was very upsetting um, and very exciting at the same time. Uh, but what, what you see is, is a very moody, is a very... Um, uh, emotional performance by somebody who's obviously talking about her own life and is talking about a very serious and very important subject, which is, um, you know, several people who were actually either persecuted or, you know, disappeared uh, during the the, the, the Videla dictatorship um, in Argentina. Um, over, uh, in, in her case, the 80s. Um, and what the plays, what the, what the tapes do, which is also really beautiful, is that they don't talk to each other as in, you know, hi, this is happening today. They, sometimes they just leave the tapes recording during a meal or 
uh, dad putting the kids uh, to bedtime and things like that. So when they share with each other, they hear the everyday is that opportunity of the everyday life that you know they they don't have. Um, it's uh, I think overall the show um, is very dreamlike. It has a very gentle mood of sadness, of loss, of yearning for something that either was never there or is no longer there. But also she brings it back to um, our time, to, to her own reality, because she's also, to a certain extent, uh, by choice, but exiled from also her family from Chile. She eventually went to live in the US as well with her parents. She's not there, she's, she lives in London. So she also talks about that sadness, the late night, being at home, um, and remembering and thinking about all of that, and thinking how we, um, how how we how we cope with that loss that is either forced or um, chosen by us. Sounds gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, what have I seen this week? I've uh, been down to the new Colab space. So Colab Theatre. Uh, We've been running a space at London Bridge for several years now. Um, it's where Great Gatsby Immersive started. Uh, they had this old factory uh, just by, by Borough Station. Uh, and now they've got a new space, uh, which is an old pub uh, just around the corner from the, the old one, um, uh, which they've converted into this sort of 1920s Cockney boozer. So this show is called Crooks 1926, uh, and it's produced by Colab Theatre, who are the people who run these spaces, but also produce their own theatre work. So it's 1926. Uh, you're caught in a in a sort of Cockney gang war in London. So the father, the head of the family, dies, and the two brothers who are left behind, who are called Wall and Wag, are challenged to pay back their father's old debts of ten thousand pounds in one night. So this is introduced by a. Uh, the bad guy come in who's called Sabini very much channeling Dandy Dan from Bugsy Malone Uh, so we have to raise this £10,000 and we're the gang members who are going to help him so we're all split off into teams so some people like rig the horse racing some people plan bank heists you know some people induce another uh, another gang member to marry into our gang so we get more members Uh, (laughs) you know it's really fun so it's quite ridiculous all the way through but like uh, the actor's really really hold it together and they are all spectacular it's about a company of about six or seven actors and they change roles all the time they the the energy is amazing and the commitment is incredible like to 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 be in a room where where you're trying to get 40 half drunk people to try and go along with you and plan a bank heist is it really takes a lot of effort and it's you know it's a two-hour show it starts and you feel like you you've got the measure of it pretty quickly but there are some plot twists and turns that come up through the show which really keep uh, the energy up and really keep it really really fun all the way to the end. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, that's on in, at the new Colab Tavern uh, until the 29th of March. That's £28 a ticket, which I think is pretty reasonable for an immersive show. Uh, what else have we seen? Uh, music. Uh, you've seen that, Shanine? Yes, um, at Leicester Square Theatre. So, yes, icon, rock star, screen goddess and drug addict Billy Trix has lived a life of excess and shares it all in her new one-woman show. Um, starring uh, Frances Barber as Billy Trix with a script by Jonathan Harvey and six original songs by the Pet Shop Boys. Um, so Billy Trix was a minor character in the musical Closer to Heaven, which premiered in 2001, and that was also a Harvey and Pet Shop Boys collaboration. 
music expands on that character and her life. So in this cabaret monologue, um, you spend a night with Billy Trick. She's sort of doing like an audience with type show where she talks about her 75 years on earth and also her big hits and sings them. Um, she comes on wearing an eye patch and then she sings a song called Mongrel about her conception uh, in the shadow of post-war Berlin. And then screams into the audience that Madonna stole her look and she keeps cancelling her shows to come and watch tricks instead. Um, it's a non-stop sort of hysterical ride. It's very camp. And to me, Barbara gives sort of the comedy performance of the year. She's already been nominated for lead, sorry, best female lead performance as a musical at the Offies for this performance. Um, and the character is kind of this combination of Marion Faithful and Grace Jones. And as a script written by Jonathan Harvey, cross, crosses the lines of decency, but it knows its audience are quite camp and crude themselves and will enjoy it. Um, and yeah, it's just very fun. And I think for me, it's not so much about the Leicester Squares programme, which is quite a varied programme of comedy and cabaret and improv and all those kind of things. But it's about the move that West End and off West End is making towards monologues. So monologues were kind of seen as a, a cheap alternative. You only need one actor, you don't need much staging, you just need a chair if you're lucky. Um, with Increasingly, we're seeing more big names going down the monologue route. So currently in the West End, we have uh, Rafe Spall in The Death of England at the National Theatre. We've just had Cato Flynn finish in All of It, which was at the Royal Court Theatre. And last year, we had Maggie Smith in A German Life. Um, and as much as I enjoy a big, large ensemble production, I think for an actor a monologue is very challenging particularly if you're an established actor because you don't have other actors to bounce off of it's you and you're very exposed and if you do it well you'll get accolades if you don't people kind of find out how good you really are so that is on at yes the Leicester Square Theatre until the 1st of March and tickets are from £22.50. Yeah it's interesting I mean it takes such you know composure and stage presence to hold an audience for an hour or more yes. on your own yeah and you know sometimes in, on, on the fringe people get found out as you say so I mean it's interesting that bigger names are sort of starting to take that leap and, yeah. and decide to do that because it is risky yes and I wonder if theatres big theatres kind of are losing their funding and going well how do we get <laughs> do people in and yes let's put Maggie Smith on the stage for like an hour and a half and of course people are going to come flocking yeah. but yeah if I was an established actor it's not the route I would probably go down just because I'd go I did that in drama school I did that to get qualifications I don't need to do it now yeah, so, yeah. I mean maybe we're being a bit cynical I mean you said it's a great show <laughs> it's so, a good I mean, show so... it's worth it it's worth the risk when yeah, it's yeah. a good show absolutely <laughs> Well, yeah, sometimes is just the right uh, thing to do is a one, one, one person show, um, which, as is the case with Collapsible, which is on at the Bush Theatre um, until the 14th of March. It is written by Margaret Perry, who is an Irish uh, young um, but very up and coming writer. Um, just to give you some idea, she's part of Soho Writers Lab, the Royal Court Young Writers Program, and Barbican Young Poets. And she was also a member of the Royal Court Supergroup in 2019, which was led by Alice, Alice Birch and Alistair McDowell. Um, and she is she's also currently on the commission at the Bush Theatre, the Yard Theatre. So she's one of the new generations of young playwrights to uh, watch out for. 
And this play, Collapsible, is about uh, a woman, a young woman uh, living in London. Um, I would say millennial, but it just occurred to me that she's Generation Z because she's in her early 20s. Right. We're a bit late on the millennial thing, aren't we? I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyways, she's young and she's lost her job. She lost her girlfriend. She's losing herself. Uh, there's a feeling that she's melting or she's crumbling. And interesting, as you mentioned, Shanine, about the, uh, the, the the one seat and, and, you know, stage. In that case, it's very interesting because it, it is just one seat, but she's um, kind of sitting over a, a pile of rocks um, and there's like spikes around her. So she's actually stuck um, and the world is crumbling around her with the idea. Um, and it does, it, it's played, uh, a reviewer actually compared, uh, the Guardian reviewer compared uh, the show uh, to Beckett. And compared to Beckett, uh, in the sense that it's quite bleak, minimalist, tragicomic, um, and also episodic. So you have uh, you have several little scenes in which she in which there isn't quite a story that is a, a a life developing. So it could be night, it could be day, it doesn't matter. The the light changes at the at, in the same state and moves on to the next scene. And mostly of what we see is her um, asking people whether it's her sister or her dad or a coworker. Uh, for a word, a word that will um, start to um, her. to define her, yeah, um, and then trying to use that word to define herself because she's just lost so much that she's feeling completely lost. So it's very much um, what I described the Fleabag-inspired millennial angst without the sex, uh, whether it's millennial or not. Is up for discussion, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but at the same time, um, the, the the performer Brefini Holohan was actually nominated for an Office Award, the best performance in a play. Um, the play was also nominated as best new play, uh, but Brefini is absolutely mesmerizing. Uh, she's a joy to watch. She has an amazing uh, stage presence, and even though she's stuck and you know almost. Uh, um, well, stuck and immobile, really, um, over the plinth, is still, you just, you, you can't stop looking at her and, and watching her perform. In a way that reminds a lot of No Eye, which is a Beckett show, which is just that face, or in that case, the mouth. And I think it has very, you know, many similarities with it. Yeah, there's an interesting thing. I saw it in Edinburgh. Mm. An interesting thing of this sort of like, you know, figurative set which is her sitting on a plinth surrounded by rubble and performing this very naturalistic monologue yeah you know it is slightly bigheaded in that way yeah and it's an amazing performance as you say i thought she's she's is incredible yeah one to look indeed. out for when's that on till uh, so it's on until the 14th of march uh tickets are from 20 pounds um and is in the bush theater uh and the nearest uh, station is shepherd's bush station um, it's a beautiful venue, yeah. fantastic new uh, writing work as well. Absolutely. So I've been uh, underground at the vaults for the last two weeks, and obviously it's quite difficult to talk about a lot of those shows on the podcast because they only last for a week, uh, unfortunately, so they're normally finished by the time the podcast comes out. Just one I want to talk about briefly because it was so good, uh, which has finished, unfortunately. It's Splintered by Lagahoo Productions, which is a Caribbean LGBT cabaret night. Um, 
So it's a really, really fun show. Uh, three incredible performers um, using cabaret to talk about what it's like to be uh, gay, to be queer in the Caribbean. Obviously, incredibly difficult to be there, gay there because uh, there's a culture of homophobia. Um, and they uh, use that very serious topic and make it incredibly funny. Uh, it means that they can switch um, very, very quickly between some very, very funny ske sketches to some quite serious um, material um, and some quite moving stuff about coming out to your family and how difficult that is. I, it was an incredible production. Um, so I guess, I know it's finished now, but uh, maybe follow them on social media if you... Uh, if that sounds like your kind of thing, they're Lagahoo Productions. Uh, okay, so now we'll go over to my interview with Tarek Iskander from the BAC. Uh, here he is. Okay, so I'm here with Tarek Iskander, the new artistic director from the BAC. Uh, Tarek, you're just starting your first full program as artistic director. Do you want to tell us about some of the things coming up in the program? Yeah, so we've got a season, our spring season is called Going Global, and it's a real mix of loads of projects that we are extremely excited about. So it's a combination of some of the best international artists that we could bring to the UK, who are present, many of them presenting work for the first time here, combined with uh, some of the UK's most exciting artists, who are dealing with complex global themes. So it felt a brilliant opportunity to bring those two groups together. Great. And how do you go about choosing the shows in the program? So uh, we definitely had a theme that we were excited about. There were a lot of international artists that we wanted to bring to the UK. So that's when the Going Global theme started to present itself. Um, there were cornerstone shows that we thought were really exciting. When it breaks, it burns. The Brazilian show, Daughter, the Canadian show, Cock Cock, who's there. Um, so we felt that these were pieces we wanted to bring, but also there were a lot of UK artists. We have a, a long list of UK artists that we're excited to bring to BAC. And um, people like Lucy McCormick, Javad Alipour, it felt the perfect time to bring them into the programme. So uh, you're kind of building, about, building around the work and the artists and sort of shaping the season from that. Yeah. So the programme uh, is made up of some fairly disparate shows. I mean, what's the thing that ties them all together in your mind? Well, I think we really wanted to present um, really different things in order to tackle some of these themes in different ways. So for example, there's a very strong digital element to the season. So you've got um, a virtual reality show with Unreal City by Dream Think Speak and Access All Areas, which we're very excited about. Similarly, Javad Alpur's Rich Kids focuses on Instagram um, as a way of presenting some of the work. But equally, we have... Um, performances that are very music focused so when it breaks it burns Lucy McCormick's live live and then dance is very heavily represented in the homegrown festival and outrageous behavior so I guess it was an opportunity for us to bring many disparate things into the program which is what an art center I think is particularly good at. There's also some real smashes from Edinburgh I mean Ripped Kids and Daughter are both very well reviewed from Edinburgh so it's a chance for some London audiences to see those. It is, and we, we obviously go to Edinburgh, the producing team goes to Edinburgh, and we um, are spoiled for choice. Um, but there are also pieces, new pieces that we have developed in-house, like The Spirit, Auto Reverse, these are all shows, Swimming Pools, these are shows that have never been seen before that are premieres here at BAC. Cool. Um, so what about the rest of the buildings? The BAC is famous for developing lots of new ideas around the way it works as well. So can you tell some people about 
what you're doing in the rest of your processes? Well, for those of you who don't know, have never been to BAC, we're based in uh, a 19th century town hall, which is a massive place and a really exciting building because it has so many different rooms. And I guess that geography really helps dictate how it operates. So if you come in at any point, we've always got a whole group of artists in all these different spaces developing work, only a fraction of which ever appears in our seasons. Um, so that it's a very important development hub. Similarly, we have a busy bar. Um, we have multiple spaces that we're using for events, including the Grand Hall currently that's open. We have the Scratch Hub, which is a co-working space down in the basement. Um, so there's quite a lot going on, and I think it's part of the, play, the fact that it's so busy that makes it an exciting place for us to work. So uh, what's it been like taking over in the last few years? I mean, we had the, the massive fire a few years ago and then the reopening of the Grand Hall. Uh, how have people reacted to the reopening? I think one of the nice things about working in this building is uh, the community links and the kind of local aspect of it is very genuine and those links are very deep. And so the way that our local community responded to the fire was really um, quite moving and fantastic. And that's what made the kind of the, the, the rebuilding of the Grand Hall possible. Um, I think it's really great. Now, this is the first year that BAC has had its full building up and running. Obviously, the fire was incredibly... Um, challenging for the organization and one of the great things about what the team did was they managed to stay open through all that process and still kept supporting work and presenting shows but it's really an opportunity for us now to push on and build now that we have the facility full and running and everyone one of my favorite things is taking people who have never seen it into the Grand Hall and you always get a gasp I think it's one of the most beautiful spaces um, creatively in London and it's, it's just such a gift for us to have it to use. Yeah, if you haven't been here since the reopening, they've left the, the fire-damaged walls in situ, built a whole new roof, and um, it just looks stunning. Are there any shows coming up in the Grand Hall or events that people can come along to? So in autumn coming up, we will have more shows in the Grand Hall, which we haven't announced yet. But actually, When It Breaks, It Burns is having its last two performances in the Grand Hall. And that's because um, we're inviting 100 young people from all over the country um, to come and work with Collectiva, the company, to talk about youth activism, to work out together how to be creative in that context. And we're, so we're going to have 100 young people on a two-day symposium also sleeping over in the Grand Hall. So it's going to be a really exciting event for all of us. Wow. That sounds incredible. Um, and obviously you've got the Off West End Awards coming up, uh, which uh, we're very excited about. Uh, you, will, will, will we see you there? Definitely. I'm a big fan, so I'm really planning to be there. Lovely. All right, thank you for your time. Thank you. Okay, so that was Tarek Iskander from the BAC. You can check out their new season at bac.org.uk. You might see me down there. Okay, so we've had a look at the, what's opening in the next couple of weeks and picked out a few to talk about. Um, Janine, what are you looking forward to? Uh, I'm looking forward to Tell It Slant, which is at the Hope Theatre. So the story is that Dara and Vic have a history. Dara is a veteran press officer. Vic, the rookie, struggling through an uncomfortable first day. They thought the most complicated thing they would be facing was their own feelings and a tricky news about cat, news story about cats, but a sudden crisis changes everything. Motion set to the side, they have no choice but to work together to deal with a raft of journalists, but how do they get the real story out when flashy lies are so much more attractive? Uh, Tell It Slant was written by Maeve McCoyle without specifying agenda. 
and the actors playing Dara and Vic will alternate roles throughout the run, showing how the story and characters change or don't when one is a man and one is a woman. The production is directed by Erica Miller. Um, why I was interested in this is sort of the concept of fake news is right now like a, a huge issue. And I think there's always been fake news, you know, there's always been papers lying about things. Um, but audiences are kind of more aware of that. So it's now about, yes, maybe you don't lie as much, but you present the story in a way that's more flashy. So you get clicks because people aren't buying newspapers physically anymore. They're going online, they're reading their stories that way. So it sounded like a really interesting story. Um, and the idea of alternating and writing this genderless thing and whether that makes an impact on the story. So if you get a chance, maybe see it multiple times and see how different ones pan out. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's on at the Hope Theatre. If you're free. If you're free. Lot, if you've got, time. exactly. If you've got £15 twice yeah. for the tickets. Um, and it's on at the Hope Theatre, which is in Highbury and Islington. Right. I'm looking forward to No Show uh, by Christopher Green at The Yard. I don't know if you know Christopher Green. He's a um, performance artist. There's a lot of uh, interesting uh, immersive stuff. He uh, just did a show called The Home, which was a like a 48-hour immersive performance in a care home, uh, which sadly I didn't see, but maybe I feel a bit grateful that I didn't see that. Um, and one of the shows I loved from a few years ago is called Prurience, which was like a fake like sex therapy group which all the audience were members of um which was very funny and quite awkward i mean obviously he put some plants in there and but at the beginning you really didn't know who was a plant and who was real um so that was a really fun thing he's also got uh two um characters that he performs as for cabaret uh, ida Barr and tina c who you might have heard of as well um so he's got a new show coming to the yard theater um called no show um so that's possibly clue as to whether he'll be there at all i don't know um so that's uh, that's uh, opening next week and that's on at the yard until the 14th of march and the previews are a tenor so i'm looking forward to that one uh Ariane, what are you looking forward to i am very much looking forward to meet uh, theater 503 uh, which was a finalist in their International Playwright Award in 2018. It reached the top five of 2,055 plays submitted from 49 countries. Um, it is, again, um, interestingly, is by an Irish playwright called Gillian, Gillian Greer, who, again, is another um, fast-rising uh, playwright and other things as well in the, um, especially the London, but I would say the UK theatre scene, really. Um, she has worked, she's a senior script reader at the National Theatre. Um, she was the first head of theatre and performance programming at the Vault Festival. Uh, I believe last year, so this must be her second year programming. Um, she has worked at the National as a dramaturg, the Vault Festival, Clean Break, etc. So she comes with a lot of credentials. This was her first play, um, which is now being... Um, that, in fact, that's not true. Um, it is not her first play, but it is being uh, perf uh, put on stage by 503. And the description is that it's a story of class, consent, and how modern Ireland reckons with the transgressions buried in the past. How can one couple navigate their shared history when their memories don't quite, don't quite match up? 
Um, that doesn't really say a lot. However, is um, there is a warning of uh, strong references of sexual assault and the age guidance is 14 plus. So it looks to me like is an is a play about misogyny, is a play about male entitlement. Is a it's there is there are quite a few actually. There's a very interesting wave of male, especially male entitlement uh, shows coming up or already on. Death of England deals with race, but also deals with um, white male, not quite privileged, but the non-understanding of uh, of others, um, and 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 feeling yeah, feeling entitled over everybody else. Um, you've got daughter coming up to Battersea Art Center soon. You've got major um, exhibition at coming to the Barbican as well, which is on, it must called Masculinities. So it kind of feels like it's in the water right now. Um, and it, I, I'm always very interested in those kind of uh, gender conversations. Um, and the th uh, Theatre 503, I have never seen anything that I didn't like there. I think that there are their choice, I think their script readers are really brilliant. They they really get what we want to see and what we want to, you know, what we're talking about. Um, so, yeah, I'm very excited to, to go and see that. Um, incidentally, uh, Theatre 503, I found out the last time I was there that they are the oldest uh, pub theatre in the UK. Right. So, okay. another right. reason to go see it. It's a lovely place. <laughs> um, Never mind my white male privilege. I'm going to go next. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mean that. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, no, I mean, it's, it is interesting how uh, to see the theatrical community react to Me Too and to Time's Up and and to continue to react to it as as more and more things come out from that. So, yeah, there are some interesting, some interesting work going on. Uh, so I'm looking at something completely different, which is uh, more immersive stuff uh, coming up at BAC. Unreal City uh, by Dream Think Speak in collaboration with uh, Access All Areas, who are a learning disabled theatre company. So Dream Think Speak have done lots of big immersive shows over the past few years. Um, Before I Sleep um, and In the Beginning Was the End was at the Somerset House a few years ago. Um, so they've got a really great track record of doing really interesting immersive work and this time they're doing a VR show um, with this uh, learning disabled theatre company so uh, I think from from the blurb it seems that the um, the premise is uh, about whether it's easier to interact virtually or physically so um, it says throughout the month audiences are invited to a virtual marketing suite to discover their new home in London's latest smart city district um, so there's obviously themes of um, community and com uh, conversation and and how we interact with each other online. So that sounds like it's going to be interesting. Uh, so that's on at the Battersea Arts Centre until 28th of March and prices start at £10. Um, what else is coming up? Uh, so Look Back in Anger by John Osborne gets its first um, London production in a decade. So... It's about a young man called Jimmy Porter, disillusioned by the structures of working class life, constantly insults his beloved but upper class wife, Alison. He balances on the verge of passion and hatred that keeps everyone alive, but destroys him and everyone around. Written in 1956, a review described the character Jimmy Porter as an ang angry young man, a term that became synonymous with Osborne and that generation of Royal Court playwrights. Um, yeah, I've never seen it before. Oh. And... <laughs> I think to me, I've 
put a comment saying it doesn't get as much love as The Entertainer, which is always being revived in some sort of form with some big name star. Um, but I think going back to you might the see topics, in drama schools quite a lot. Maybe. Yeah, maybe yes. that's why I'm not hanging around <laughs> yeah, enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's about kind of that, yeah, that rage of masculinity. And I think even though it is, you know, over 60 years old, it's quite a timely revival to look at, you know, why are men so angry and why do men do the things they do? So I think it's going to be a really interesting production. That's mm. at the White Bear Theatre from the 25th of February to the 14th of March. Tickets are from £16. Yes, it is definitely a classic. Yes, definitely. I, I, I'm, I'm really excited, actually. Mm-hmm. I really want to go see it. So uh, the next thing I'm excited to go see is Claim, uh, which is by Tim Cowberry and is directed by Mark Maugan. Um, it's on a Shoreditch Town Hall from the 18th of February to the 7th of March. And it is a show that was first seen in Sheffield in 2017. Um, And then you went to Edinburgh. And last year it was part of the British British Council Showcase, uh, which, if you don't know, is uh, the British Council selects a number of new writing and work produced by the UK to showcase during the festival to international producers. Um, so generally, it very, very high standards, and it's, it tries, what the British Council tries to do, is to show the very best of what's being um, created in our contemporary stages. Um, the, the show itself uh, is called The Claim. It's about a Congolese claimant and his French-speaking interpreter. Um, in fact, it's about his, the Congolese claimant with a French-speaking uh, interpreter, and it, it the show descends. It, it goes from an asylum claim, an asylum claim, and the whole bureaucracy around around it, but it descends into huge Kafkaesque uh, proceedings in very dark and very memorably horrible way. Um, so it's it's very obvious uh, a show about um, our asylum system, but it's also about language and power and um, the, the, the dehumanization as well. Uh, the characters are A and B, um, apart from him who has actually got a name, the main, the main character, uh, but it is very much about that. Um, the bureaucracy, which actually affects real lives, really. Um, so again, it's uh, the uh, Shoreditch Town Hall, and I'm very excited to go see it soon. Yeah. Uh, and one more, uh, Shanine, you've got something coming up, Vault first. You want to yes, um, Essence. So it's basically about a 15-year-old girl who tries to break into um, this man called Elliot's house. And they're very much an odd couple and the play explores kind of their relationship under these weird circumstances. Um, it sounds a good play, but what intrigued me is it's a production from director Tori Allen Martin and writer Sarah Henley who in summer 2019 accused Young Vic's artistic director Kwame Kwe-Arma and Idris Elba of not crediting them for Tree, which premiered in Manchester and transferred to the Old Vic with Sinead Cusack and Alfred Enoch. Um, it was a rare news story about theatre that went into the mainstream and kind of made people question what sort of practices go on in theatre that you can be part of as they claimed a project for four years and then be dropped without any credit or any acknowledgement. Um, this is, to me, them saying, well, this is what we are, this is our name, this is what we're doing, and I think it'll be a really interesting watch um, in the light of everything that happened. So that's on at the vaults from the 21st to the 23rd of February, and tickets are 
are from £13. Cool. All right. Okay, well, that's about all we've got time for this week. Thanks so much to my guest critics for joining me. Uh, you can head over to offwestend.com for show listings and info about the Off West End Awards, which are coming up soon. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts uh, and let your friends know about us. We'll be back in three weeks with another podcast, which will feature some stuff live from the Off West End Awards. Until then, goodbye. This has been a Disentangled production. Mm-hmm.